Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at a weekend back-to-back for the Jets, including a win in Vancouver, a loss in Seattle, plus the injuries pile on and on. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right to it here. A busy week for the Jets, a busy week for everybody. Uh, With the holidays coming up, only a few more on tap for Winnipeg before everybody takes a bit of a break over the weekend here. And plenty to get to, like I mentioned there, with two games on Saturday and Sunday for Winnipeg, one good, one not so good. Uh, but to break it all down, once again, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki stopping by. What's going on, little bro? Oh, not too much. Just uh, it was like a mediocre, mediocre weekend for the Jets. That's just like, well, like, I think I think because that was an I don't want to say the best ever, just because of you know hyperbole, recency bias. That might have been the best sports weekend of all time. Yeah. At least, like, Sunday was out of this world. But, like, all in all, that was a pretty, that was a pretty legit legendary weekend. Start to finish, too. It was like there wasn't that dull moment. You had the morning game, like, World Cup, and then just the NFL scriptwriters were like, oh, world, oh, FIFA, you think you had overtime? <laughs> you guys had a crazy, crazy game? Well, we'll, we'll, up you three times on that jacoby myers goes deep he's got chandler jones oh could you imagine thank god i lost all my bets at noon anyway so it didn't matter but just like imagine losing a parlay oh yeah jacoby yeah, imagine- Boy, you did <laughs> oh, yeah, imagine that wouldn't that suck that like i was watching that play and thinking like oh stevenson he might break it and then like uh-oh what what what's this one ladder and then oh my gosh why are you throwing it <laughs> 40 yards back. Like, what? It is It is kind of nice to see these meltdowns happen to a team like the Patriots. I was, like, it, it couldn't happen to a better team that's had everything go their way for, for 20 years. Um, I will say I don't think people are giving Stevenson enough crap because he, he started, like, look, Myers lost his mind. But see, Stevenson started the whole thing. Oh, like, just go down, right? Like, there, there's no play to be made. You almost got a TD. Just, like, go for OT there, and then he kick-started the madness. Um, yeah, I mean, 
you had that, the Messi, Argentina, Mbappe, some other football things going on. I mean, the Flyers organization melts down. We'll get to that in a second. You, you had a little bit of everything. And was was there UFC on the weekend too? I don't know if there's always yep. UFC. Last last card of the last card of the year it was actually a pretty good card besides the main event there was some pretty crazy knockouts some really some there was one head kick and it was like oh oh like that guy that guy's in another dimension <laughs> to the shadow dimension he goes oh, yeah. well if if the jets games on the weekend were ufc knockouts tyson what would saturday's game against vancouver be oh do you you know the michael chandler tony ferguson one yeah. where it, you head kick some front kick right to the jaw and just, just <laughs> oh, poor Tony, man. Like that's what it, it was. It's weird. What was what was Seattle? What was Seattle to Winnipeg then? Ah, uh, that one was more of it was like uh, some old fashioned GSP ground and pound. Oh, that was nice. That's a good call. Like, yeah, it was. It was. It was. There, you're in the fight for the first little bit, and then just the pressure just gets to you, and you just there's nothing you can do with that relentless pressure. You know that's that's a really that's a really great comparison there. And we'll start. We we'll push the the face kick till later. But let's start with the ground and pound because, yeah, it, it kind of felt like the Jets got pounded into submission there, like almost like an old fighter. It's like they they had a chance early, then the legs start to get heavy, and you get worn and torn, and down you go. I mean, a bit of a bummer as to as to how it ended there. They almost stole a point again out there on the road. Um, they they seem to be making a habit of getting dominated in the second end of a back to back on Sunday and almost stealing a point or two. Uh, but ultimately, they fall to the to the Kraken after a, a game full of highs against the Canucks. Um, I mean, look, the, 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 no one's going to say the Jets played good against Seattle. There, there's no doubt about that. I, I guess what was your initial impression from the game? Like, any, anything? Anything major stand out? Because I, I think it's kind of like the Washington one where it's, you know, raise alarm bells or anything like that. But there's no doubt the team didn't play all that good. And again, relied on goaltending to keep the minute until four minutes to go. Yeah, no, I think I think my biggest takeaway, and it's kind of nitpicking a little bit, but I wouldn't have mind seeing a little bit of a lineup change, even though you're coming off a win. Like when you're off a of back-to-back, it would have been nice to see Mikey Aismont get back in the lineup, I think, just because of the way he's been playing lately. I was kind of surprised they took him out. And then he, just to get Villianola some games, too, because, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah, no, no, the only the only thing with Hainala is that he's been battling illness. Um, they kind of intimated that it was un- for sure unlikely against uh, Vancouver Saturday. The the Sunday game was kind of a, you know, a toss-up there, but I, I get what you're saying, right? Like you, you want you want him in. I think the Jets do want him in. It's just the dude's sick. Everybody on the team is sick. Every everyone's sick or injured right now, um, which actually kind of describes my life at, at the moment too. Um, but yeah, hey, look, you don't have to you don't have to fight me on on Mikey Asimov's spot in the lineup. You know, I I think I think he deserves a chance to get back in. Um, anything other than those two lineup decisions there? And like, I mean, Seattle came in on a bit of a on a bit of a down streak, right? I mean, losing five of their last six hadn't been playing. Maybe the the team everybody was expecting. Okay, the crash comes, and then they take it to Winnipeg big time. Yeah, I I don't want to say that the, that the Kraken were underestimated coming into this game by the Jets, but they might have, but they might have been a little bit. And I think a lot of people just even around the NHL kind of aren't giving this Seattle team enough credit. I think kind of the Vegas Golden Knights run kind of tarnished 
people's expectations of a expansion team and all of a sudden it's like oh these guys aren't these guys aren't first in the conference well they suck and it's like well they got a pretty solid forward group like that's a they, with maddie Beniers, you're starting to add some game-breaking talent to that lineup and we've talked we talked about it earlier on the season i think in one off season you added oliver bjorkstrand andre burakovsky shane wright who hasn't really played much but still it's a, that's a a high potential forward and then for all intents and purposes Matty Beniers as well he played a couple games last year but it was only a couple and so that's if you just take Beniers, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky that's three top six forwards right there and I think you coming into Seattle you kind of underestimate this team they don't have the the high-end skill but man like guys like Jared McCann who have who's been a really pleasant surprise and I think he's been one of the more underrated players these past these past two years in in the NHL he's got Upward, he's getting close to 40 goals over these past two seasons already, and we're not even halfway through the second that second season. So I think off a of back-to-back, too, it's, it's not the craziest back-to-back in the world. Like There's some teams where you're going multiple states across instead of just like a 30-minute flight from Vancouver to Seattle. But, uh, yeah, it's... With all these injuries, man, like, it's crazy. Like, I know, right? Like that's that, 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 to me, was the... The, the, maybe this was like the breaking point, tipping point game where, you know, you have the back-to-back, which is, like you said, whatever, teams have back-to-backs all the time. But from December 8th to the 18th, the Jets played seven games in 10 days. And throughout that span, you're dropping a top six forward here, a top four defenseman there. This guy's banged up. Oh, reinforcements are hurt too. And everybody's sick. <laughs> Like, you know, that's, that's one of the underrated things too. I think with team performance is, you know, I mean, especially recently with the flu bug going around, but like if a team's sick, it doesn't show up on the injury report or it doesn't really show up, you know, like it's a tough thing to quantify, but it's, it's difficult to play at a high level when, when you're not feeling a hundred percent. And, and so to, to me watching that game, it, it really felt like the group was just gassed and they had, they had nothing left. And it, like they just, it wasn't the back to back. It was, it was almost like a culmination of everything all at once there. And they just didn't have an answer for, for what Seattle gave. It might've been the worst opponent to play too, because the Kraken are four lines deep. Like you mentioned, like their forward group is, you know, no earth shattering game breakers there, but you know, Ryan Donato's their least productive forward and he's on pace for over 30 points this year. Like they've just, they've got a lot of, of talent and wave after wave to throw at you, um, you know, probably stylistically wasn't the the opponent that they might have been able to handle there. I think it was evident too by the fact that they were only able to generate offense realistically on the power play. That was kind of their only chance in, in stealing one, and they were good on the power play too. You know, you, you pop two goals in there. Uh, Norris he continues once again, but you know there was a I think it was around the seven minute ish mark in the third period to go. Seven, eight minutes left. The Jets had 17 shots. The Winnipeg Jets finished the game with 17 shots. I think I think that, to me, just kind of illustrates they had nothing left. And probably would have lost at OT if it went to OT. Maybe if it went to a shootout, they could have found a, found a little extra there to maybe steal one in, in Seattle. But I, I, I'm not going to call it a scheduling loss, per se, but it's a loss that's, I think, easy to look at, circumstances, everything like that, and say, you know what? You got the win in Vancouver. You split the back-to-back. That's that's about as good as I think we could have hoped for here. 
Yeah, no, and I, I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit too. Are you Probably. getting are you getting a little bit worried about the forward group right now? Because we we talked to no one left, oh, right? But we talked we talked earlier saying how you don't want to be put in a situation where all of a sudden you're dealing from a position of weakness, and now these now these GMs are going to start to look around and see oh. Looks like Winnipeg is desperately in need of a forward right now with all these injuries piling up. You know, maybe you can be taken advantage. And so, I I mean, what do you do? Like, now that they hit the waiver wire with Carson Kuhlman, and like you said, for the Jets to claim Carson Kuhlman, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be a game-breaker. He's going to be a game-changing talent. But a forward group like Seattle, they're dropping that guy, and Jets are already looking like, hey, we need to we need to grab Carson Kuhlman just to ice a NHL forward lineup. and. I don't, it kind of just worries me. I I don't I don't want to be doom and gloom because the Jets have been so good this season, but it's just kind of that having that forward thinking that it seems is almost a little bit lacking with this organization with these past couple off seasons. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder how much is hinging on Ehlers' health. Right. You know, it, what did they say? Like he might at this point might be late December, early January that he comes yeah. back. Mid last week, they said it was about two to three weeks. Right, right. So may, maybe after the Christmas. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just say late December there. So if that's the case, you're looking at one, two, three, probably going to miss four more games. The schedule doesn't even ease up either that much. The Jets have a bet. They've got three and four starting Tuesday against Ottawa um, with some a decent amount of travel thrown in there as well. I mean, I I don't know what you do at this point. Like. I, look, we've we've thought going into the season, there's no way the Jets keep all their defensemen. Going into the season, there's no way they go into the year with this forward core. And now they're just about halfway through the year, and all those things remain the same, and this team is slaughtered, decimated in terms of injuries up front. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, logic would dictate that you go out there and make a move, but I thought that when everybody was healthy three months ago. So I, I don't know, Tice. I don't know. And, and now, you know, this this is what you brought up a few weeks ago. Like this exact point of do maybe like be a little more aggressive forward thinking in terms of like let's add an addition now so we don't have to do it because we're forced into it sometime down the road. And, and now that's the case. And I think teams are more apt to throw anchors as opposed to uh, lifeboats out there for the Winnipeg Jets here. So I... I'll be. I don't really anticipate a major move coming here. I, I if you if you haven't done it at this point, and you feel like Ehlers is semi close to returning to the lineup now, I I would imagine that the Jets kind of hold tight here. And my best guess is that they they don't make a move until the deadline. That they're going to keep this group together and try to bank cap space, do all this, and maybe make a bigger move sometime in in late February, early March. But I I. I just don't know why you would get your hopes up at this point. Like why, like, you know what I mean? Why now, as opposed to a month ago when the Ehlers injury came out to training camp, right? All that stuff. I, I imagine they stay put here. People may not like it, but I, I don't know why you would think anything else at this point. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I do. I do think that you're, but that that's kind of what I'm saying too, is that now you're yeah. like pigeonholed. Like it's like, what like you're just kind of stuck, not, it's not necessarily no man's land yet because you're in a good position. You're in a playoff spot right now, but it's just, it's just, I wish teams were more just thought ahead more instead of being like, Oh, this is what we are right now. This is going to stay 
this this train's gonna keep rolling. We'll be fine. And I, it just worries me a little bit. Yeah, and it doesn't help too that you look at the standings and uh oh, Minnesota's somehow <laughs> three points back a second spot, five in a row. That's upsetting. Colorado, two games in hand, seven points back. They're getting guys healthy. Like it's uh, there. There was there's still a bit of cushion there, but you don't want to. You don't want to rely on that too early here. It's so I, I get it. I, I really do. And I mean, look, they're not going to make a move anyways. The the holiday roster freeze goes into effect pretty soon. I, they're not going to make a move today or tomorrow. Um, so it, it wouldn't happen until early January. And again, I I just I think at this point, Chevy's probably pretty happy with how the depth I think is overperformed right now, and they're going to try to just get through it. Let's get through it. Ehlers coming back is a massive, massive boost, which to be fair to him and and, and the organization, it is a huge boost. Um, he can carry a line basically all by himself right now and with how well some of the other top guns have been going, maybe that's enough to get them through this stretch. But um, it'll be, I'll tell you what, there'll be a lot of heat thrown the GM's way if this team hits a bit of a speed bump here um, because they've, they've built themselves up nicely, but it can all start to get a little dicey if, if things go south here uh, nearing the end of December and heading into 2023. Uh, there's a few other things I want to get to from the game against Seattle, including the game against Vancouver as well, and some news and notes around the NHL. Uh, but before we do that, it's time to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Once again, if you like free money... This is a way to get into a big payday and do it easily. Finish off that Christmas shopping, fill a stocking stuffer with 150 bucks by making a simple bet. I'll explain how in just a second. But if that's not enough for you, you can also turn some small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets together, like which team wins, how many goals will be scored, and even more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So we'll go a little more on the negative side here before we wrap things up pretty much positively leading for the Jets. Um, this was the first chance we really got to saw over these last few games as to what the Winnipeg Jets would look like without Nate Schmidt on the blue line. Um, I think you touched on it earlier, really under, maybe the unsung hero of this team. So like there's been a lot of standout performers, but he very, very quietly has been really, really steady and dependable for Winnipeg. He's going to miss about a month or so with an upper body injury, again, sounds like a shoulder, uh, but he's going to miss some time. And so the Jets had to rejig some of their pairings there. And I wonder, I wonder what you do moving forward here in terms of who slots in where. But I will say that the, the only certainty, the only finality thing I will say about the team's D pair is that we don't need to see Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon as a pairing anymore. Yeah. Like I, I think that ship has sailed. And again, look, the team didn't play all that good against Seattle. I get that. But they particularly had themselves a really, really ugly one. And I think Brendan Dillon 
out of those two. Had himself a really, really ugly game. And that that might be, you know, speaking negatively about the Jets, despite their lightning, quick, super hot start to the season, eh, Brandon Dillon might be one of the main disappointments of the year so far. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Tice? For, for me, he hasn't been crazy impactful. Um, physically... He's been good, but not you know not 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 a massive presence like you see on other teams with you know Truba and the Rangers for example or, or Gudis in the pan like I think Dylan's capable of it. We just haven't seen him do it all that much recently. And then the puck on his stick has just kind of been a disaster these these last few weeks, and it was exacerbated over the weekend where you know Dylan Demello that's not really his game being the primary puck mover out, and uh, Dylan's inadequacies at that cost the Jets on the game winning goal. Um, but what, what do you think about, I guess, both Dylan's play this season and then where this team goes with the defensive group in terms of restructuring with Nate Schmidt out for a while? Yeah, I mean, Brendan Dylan, he's played such a taxing style of hockey for so long. Like he's been, it's, he's been in the NHL for quite a long time already, and he's only—it's kind of crazy. He's only thirty-two years old. It seems like he's, you know, pushing should be pushing like that thirty-six, thirty-seven range. But that's what I, mean, I feel like. <laughs> when you play that taxing style of play that Brendan Dillon does, it's going to take an effect on you in your career. And I think we're starting to see some early signs of that. It's not necessarily to the point where he's no longer an NHL defenseman, but I think you kind of start to have to start to rein back some of his responsibilities. And I, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing him and Dylan Sandberg kind of switch roles for a little bit and just see if maybe, you know, this, he could be, a better version of Brendan Dillon like he very easily could be and I think he's already shown these past couple of games that he is a better version of Brendan Dillon so I would love I would love to see Brendan Dillon start to get kind of a increased role maybe I, I like Morrissey with the mellow and uh, the one thing that kind of worries me about putting Sandberg into that top four with Neil Pionk is that you're putting a lot of responsibility on Dylan Sandberg's shoulders to kind of hold down the defensive end on that pairing. And I just feel like Pionk's been a little inconsistent this year, and it's kind of tough to put a rookie D-man in that that spot. Yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, Bones Bones knows, right? It's not Bono's, Bones knows. He's done this before with, with young guys, right? And, I mean, he look, he's already been the, the, the Morrissey whisperer. Uh, with, with everything 44 has done so far this year. But that that's kind of the way I see, or I would like to see things play out, Tice, with Nate Schmidt out. I, I, I'd i be shocked if it happened. Um, we, we just know base 99% of NHL coaches will lean towards the vets when there's injuries and, and, and lean on experience to get them through it. But look, you you know Morrissey DeMello has worked in the past and, and to great effect this season. Sandberg Pionk, I think... It, yeah, it's a it's a lot to throw on Sandberg's plate. He's done it before, though, and he did it beside Neil Pionk. So it seems like a bit of a natural move there to to put the youngster with Neil Pionk. They play well together. Maybe that helps to kickstart Neil Pionk's game too into a more consistently solid level. And then you would have a third pair. I I, I mean, would, wouldn't you like to see a third pair of of Brandon Dillon and Billy Hainala? I don't like, hate it. Doesn't that make a lot of sense stylistically? And then you have the vet bringing along the youngster. You could have Billy play on his offside there, which he's, I think he's been pretty adept at doing. He doesn't look all that out of place, play on the right side. Then you have Dylan out there on the left. T- to me, that that does seem to make the most sense. I would I would love to see that. I imagine a lot of fans would love to see that lineup too. Um, but I, I, I would agree that 
I wouldn't say Dylan's been bad, but I, I think it, I think it might be fair to say that Dylan Sandberg has outplayed him this season. And I get, you know, quality and time on ice. Sandberg's been a little more sheltered. I, I get all that, but his game's really come along over this last little while here. And it's not like it would be this massive demotion, but maybe instead of Dylan getting 20 minutes a night and Sandberg getting 15, it's 1730 each. You know what I mean? Like it's keep everybody fresh too. I, I don't know. I think that's the way to go here. Um, I do think the one for sure, like I said, Dylan DeMello, eh, we don't need to see that pairing together anymore. Uh, it, it just didn't work at all. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more responsibility thrust onto Dylan Sandberg's plate here. Uh, we'll see if uh, Rick Bonus agrees with that, especially with the schedule. Like you got three and four nights here after a pretty busy stretch right before this. Like he's he's up on everybody's minutes here. I think it's a win-win all around. Um, but that's the only negative that we'll kind of get into here. Uh, all in all, though, the blue line has been much better than I think a lot of us expected. Um, on the positive side of things, we're really starting to see PLD emerge as a force again. Uh, slow, slow, like a, maybe the first 10 or so games, just kind of, you know, making you want a little more. Where's the impact? Where's the physicality? The one thing I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, and then specifically on the weekend here, is that Pierre-Luc Dubois is back in the office again. And that would be a two-foot radius in and around whoever the opposing goaltender is. That's when he's at his best. That's when he's at his most impactful. And I don't think it's a coincidence as well that the production is starting to skyrocket as of late. The closer and closer Pierre-Luc Dubois spends the majority of his shifts inside the blue paint there. Yeah, and Rick Bonus just continues to make every right choice so far. Especially where he with moving Shifley and Dubois, just switching the lines up a little bit. It's... I think it's gotten the most out of everyone involved, to be honest. I, Perfetti's really taken a step forward, too, since playing with Mark Shifley. Unfortunately, the Blake Wheeler injury comes along, and he's going to be out for at least a month. I mean, it's crazy to think, though, too, that he played the rest of the game with that, and he must, like, his... I don't... I mean, I'm not going to guess exactly what kind of injury he got. Well, we kind of know. That's exploded. <laughs> we we, we kind of know. We don't know, but we kind of know. I... I would have retired on the spot, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, yeah, you can hear as like as soon as it happened, you can just hear him go, oh, yeah. and then, then skate off. We all know that sound. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll give I'll give the former captain all the credit in the world there because you would you would have had to it might it would either have been a stretcher or a casket. One <laughs> of the two there, and I like it's just no, I'm never I'm never playing any sport ever again. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, yeah, you're right. Like, Bones does, once again, get it right with his forward group in the switch up there. But, again, I think maybe kind of quietly, Dubois is just about scratching, knocking on the door of the team lead in points. And it's going to be likely him and Kyle Connor battling out for both forward scoring lead on this team and as well as the team scoring lead if, if Morrissey's pace starts to take a step back here. And, I mean, it, it comes at a great time and a bad time, too, because... Look, the the Jets have always wanted and dreamed of having that one-two punch down the middle. They've got it. It's just unfortunate that comes right when negotiating time is about three or four months away, and we all, you know, we'll 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 worry about that when the time comes. But production also comes at a pretty penny as well. So whether it's the Jets or somebody else, they're going to be uh they're going to be paying uh pretty big here because uh, Pierre Luc Dubois might be uh. We were talking maybe eight mil before the season started. If he finishes the year with 90 plus points, we might be talking uh, nine and a half, 10, 10 and a half, 
Anyone got 11 out there? 11, 11, right? Like it's, it's, it's kind of getting up there more and more. Uh, but we'll enjoy it while we can for the rest of the year. Um, quickly, trivia question, Tyson. Do you know how many players in the NHL this year are point-of-game players? Do you want to take a guess? Yeah, I will take. Um, I'm going to say it seems like there's a lot more than normal. So I'm going to say I'll put the over-under at 59. Oh, it's not, I mean, it's not bad. It's a little high. 49. Okay. Yeah, 49 guys right now. At a, and, and this kind of takes out the people that have only played a handful of games. Um, but 49 guys at a point a game and, and you know, 59 is not that far off. Cause there's, you know, a handful that are 0.97 points per game just below that. It, it's, it's a, it's not what it used to be. Like 10 years ago, there was that um, when, what was it? Ben and Tavares were going for the, the art Ross and they finished the year with like 85 points. Yeah. Ovechkin yeah. was getting 35 a year. Like just yeah, all- yeah, it's, it's not like that anymore. Like we're, we're getting a little closer to 80 style scoring right now. It's, it's kind of neat. The jets themselves have three guys over a point a game, obviously Morrissey, Connor and Dubois. And then Blake Wheeler is the next closest at 0.9 points per game. And then Mark Shifley, surprisingly well back of the pack there. Um, I think jets fans will take the, uh, drop in production with the improvement in his overall game there. But look, if Shifley goes on a tear, which he's more than capable of, team might end up with four, maybe even five point a game play. Like, it's just, this is great. The NHL is great. Like, uh, as far as quality and on ice goes, the the game itself is in a good spot. Some of the other stuff, eh. But the game itself right now is, it's 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 fire. Like, I, it's it's pretty difficult to not be entertained by by a game, even, say, on a Tuesday, December 20th midway through the year when it's minus 20 outside yeah and, and that that always blows my mind to just like watching shifley so far this year and thinking like oh, he's not point per game he's i know like it's just weird i like i feel like every every game i watch he's scoring a big goal and ripping a one-timer but that yeah, no, it's it's great to see him so it's just nice to see some high quality hockey instead of like like you said a 10 years ago eight years ago because some of those games were brutal like it was really bad like not Bad hockey, but just boring hockey and really boring. Yeah, hockey. well, it's and I I think you know, good teams back then would have a high end top six and then a bottom six that's like don't get scored on. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> nowadays it's you you can't have liabilities in the lineup. Yeah. Like you just you can't you'll get exposed. Some teams have multiple liabilities. <laughs> Some of the best teams basically have none. Like I said, Seattle's lowest. Scoring forward this year is gonna have over 30 points this year. That's that's insanity. Like that that's a three-year total for some guys that were on the Jets 10 years. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. it's it's crazy how the level of skill up and down the lineup is just at a different place right now. Uh it's it's hard to imagine what it's gonna be like in 10 years. Like I, I just can't imagine more skill coming in. Like, how do guys get better than what we're seeing right now? But kind of the natural evolution of the game. So we'll see. Um, I mean, we're seeing it right now with the new face of the NHL, Tage Thompson. Just, I, I assume in 10 years from now, Tage Thompson will have like 400 points in a year. I, like it's going to be something like that, right? Because he's the best player that that's ever existed. And, and be seven foot seven. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, he's, he's really hit a growth spurt. He's just like, I, every time I watch him, he's doing something I've never seen before. That, that might be it, that he'll be eventually become the tallest player in the NHL. That's got to be one of the most insane 
developmental curves ever and in, in nhl history they're like a year ago a year and a half ago people were like tage thompson sucks like he's the the blues absolutely robbed the sabers yeah. like, like, and they weren't wrong in saying that yeah like, he, that, like it's it's not like he he just like he just figured it out one day it's just <laughs> like what he figured it out it's like you know thanos putting on the infinity gauntlet like there's just there's no stopping him and what'll it be like we, we kind of joke about it right now, but Buffalo's only two points out of a playoff spot. If Buffalo gets in, he might steal the MVP from Connor McDavid. Yeah, and McDavid might have 150 points, but guess what? Tage Thompson's third in league scoring. He's third. He's on pace for like 120 himself. It's it's just crazy. Oh. Yeah, it's then with that decor too. Like Buffalo is going to be if then they got a ton of cap space. They they can make a serious run next year if they add some some more high end talent. Yeah, Patrick. everything's fun in Buffalo. It's uh, it's always sunny in Buffalo. It's always gloomy in Philadelphia right now. We we let's just the, we I want to spend a ton of time on this because most people don't really care. But this is like crazy. What's going on? with the Flyers organization right now. Let's try to keep this under two minutes here. But the news that Cam Atkinson is now done for the season. This is the third player where the Flyers have said they are close to returning to game action. And then it comes out that they're going to miss an entire year of hockey. And in two of those cases, they might never play again. To go on with the fact that they're an absolute dumpster fire on the ice, their players, (laughs) they're either not able to play hockey anymore, or they're quitting hockey too, which another guy just did over the weekend as well. Is this, I think Arizona takes the cake, but are the Flyers the second worst franchise in the NHL right now? Are they the second most dysfunctional franchise in the league? Yeah, I, I, 100%. And I think, and every day it get that gap between Arizona and Philly gets a little bit closer too. I, 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 I just blows my mind how, how a team that's been known for so long that for so long and had such a rich history of being a team that doesn't accept being bad and being a team that wants to play for their fans. They're just a soulless organization. That's the, that's the only way to put it really. And I think that's, you know, when Ed Snyder passed away, what is it almost like nine years ago, 10 years ago, that's kind of when he passed away, the flyers lost their identity. They lost their, and now they're just, they're run by a corporate organization that cares about bottom line and doesn't care about the fans. And I think that's, that's what you see out there. And you, and with the scratching of Kevin Hayes, I know, I know people are going to get on torts for saying that Kevin, like, Oh, you're benching your leading scorer. Well, like how dumb is, how dumb is John Tortorella? And yeah, John Tortorella is probably pretty dumb half the time, but I'll also say that you haven't watched Kevin Hayes play this year because he doesn't care. He is a player who does not care, and I don't. I don't care what anyone says. You just watch him play. He does not care, and Tortorella is not going to let that fly. You're trying to build. You're trying to rebuild this franchise again, and try and get that Broad Street bully identity. And you can't have guys floating around trying to do a stupid little dangle between three guys while you're shorthanded or in overtime, and you turn it over and they score. Like he's he's been on he's contributed more to other teams goals than he has for his own team which is crazy to think and i, and I don't even think that's far-fetched to say he is one of those 49 point a game players by the way yeah yeah exactly. 
<laughs> so if anybody out there wants one, you can have them. It won't cost you much. <laughs> and and I, will, I will add, sorry, just one more quick thing. And this it applies to the Flyers here specifically because of what we've just learned about Cam Atkinson and Ryan Ellis these past few years. They teams have got to start telling like the league what their injuries are. Like, this is ridiculous. You can't have a guy who it's upper body injury, upper body, upper body injury, day to day, day to day. We'll reevaluate day to day. Yeah, it's you're right. This is this is it, it's gotten out of hand. I think this year more than others, right? Where I, I get I get playoffs kind of pulling the curtain back and you know I, I I don't like it in the playoffs but I can at least understand it but what good does it do anybody right like the fans are pissed off nobody knows what's going on and I you can't let's... imagine it's good for the players either right because they're getting flack even though they haven't done anything wrong like all they did was get injured it's, I, I just I, I've never understood it a lot of other sports you know I mean the NFL arguably the most secretive of all the sports leagues <laughs> like they have the most up-to-date information and they're the most violent brutal sport that there is on the planet right now like they will come out and be like yeah he sprained his mcl he's questionable for the game right like i i don't i don't lose fantasy matchups based off somebody has a murky injury that nobody knows and whether or not they'll be a week two weeks a month whatever it is but in hockey it's we get this and it's happened in winnipeg too day to day turns into Oh, he's out six to eight weeks. Like, yeah. Why? I, I just, I, I don't get that. Um, but I, I guess what we can really learn from all this is that the Winnipeg Jets could make a run at Kevin Hayes and have that return 2.0, right? It's not going to cost you much. You've got the cap space. <laughs> make it happen. Nicely just... Dubois, Lowry, Hayes down the middle. Who says no? <laughs> oh, everyone says no? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> We we won't we won't worry about that. Uh, yeah, I I will say for the Jets' sake, I hope they don't poach the Flyers at the trade deadline <laughs> as they try to make a deep playoff run. Look west, yeah. look west, stay away from Pennsylvania. Oh, at least hey, at least we can joke about it. At, at least we can joke that the Jets have a chance to make the playoff run, right? If, if you're not laughing, you're crying. Yeah, well, I already did that earlier, so I might as well laugh now. <laughs> Anyways, on a more positive note, we'll wrap up the episode right there. And we'll take a look at what the Jets have upcoming. A pretty busy week, actually, like I touched on there. And we'll have plenty to get to when we get back at it to close out the week. And we'll be off a little bit after that because the holidays are coming. So when we get back at it on Friday morning, we'll look at two games for the Jets. Hopefully take care of business against Ottawa in Winnipeg on Tuesday before a brutal, brutal matchup in Boston against the league-best Bruins on a Thursday night. So we'll break down a pair of games for you, plus get ready for the finale before the holiday break against the Washington Capitals on Friday. Until then, though, thank you for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. That's CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll get back at it on a Friday morning. Until then, stay safe. Have a great week. Enjoy the holidays as well, everybody. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Peace.